Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ, and I'm so glad that you have come back today. Uh, we're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse uh, 30. Uh, we were able yesterday to, to discuss a little bit in verse 29, baptism of the dead. Uh, but in order for us to, to try to finish this in a timely manner, we're, we're going to move on. But I do encourage you to, as always, with all of these things, to continue studying it uh, for yourself. But there in verse 30, he says, Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Now again, Paul has been showing throughout this chapter the, the error of this false idea that there is no resurrection and the implications of it and really the conclusions of it. First of all, if there is no resurrection, Christ did not raise from the dead and our, we have no hope and everything we do is pointless. Uh, second of all, as we talked about in verse uh, 29, if there is no resurrection of the dead, what's the point of baptism? But here he's talking about their persecutions. I believe in I believe it's in the book of of Second Corinthians. I think in chapter eleven at the end of this particular chapter, um, starting around verse sixteen or so, going down through uh, the end of the chapter. Uh, Paul talks about the various persecutions that he faced. Uh, he was in prison, as it talks about in verse 23. He was beaten countless times, often to the point almost of death. Uh, he received 40 lashes five times, less one. He was beaten with rods. He was shipwrecked three times. He, he, he had to endure all of these things mostly because of his, his faith in Christ and because of his teachings. And his point here is, if there is no resurrection, why, why are we going through all of this? What, it, what would be the point? As he says at the end of verse 32, if there is no resurrection, then why don't we just leave it alone and let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die and then that's going to be the end of it. And in fact, I think, I think that this is probably one of the greatest proofs of the resurrection. Because many people say, and I know we talked about this last week or whenever it was, there's all of these different theories about the resurrection of Christ that maybe he didn't actually die, he just swooned, he just passed out or fainted, and then three days later came out of the grave, which, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't take a whole lot to see the weakness of that argument. Uh, Others perhaps say that the disciples came and stole the body. And there's, of course, several issues with that in regards to the soldiers and things of that nature. Uh, but also, whenever you begin to consider what Paul is saying here, all of those men, save for John the Apostle, all of the other apostles were murdered because of their faith. Paul, of course, Many believe that he was beheaded, Paul was crucified, Andrew was crucified. They were all put to death because of their faith and their obedience to Christ. They were put to death because they were proclaiming that Jesus did rise from the dead. Now, if that wasn't true, if they had just stolen his body and they were trying to trick everybody, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have gone through the persecutions that they faced. 
How many people do you know of that are willing to die for a lie that they knew for certain was a lie? A lie that they fabricated. How many people would be willing to go to jail for it, would be willing to die for it? I don't think anybody would. That's why I think that this is one of the greatest proofs. And, and in fact, I think Paul himself might be, as far as this is concerned, the greatest proof of it. Because all the other apostles, they had been with him. They had heard his teaching. Most of them had been following him since the beginning of his ministry. But Paul wasn't. In fact, Paul was the exact opposite. As we see in, in uh, chapters such as Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, as he recounts to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, all of the things, and even as he recounts in Acts chapter 26, the persecutions that, that he executed upon the church, bringing people to jail, even as he talks about in, in Acts chapter 26, whenever he's before Festus and Agrippa, Whenever he's giving his defense, uh, he recounts his time persecuting the church, and he says that when there was a vote to, to kill a Christian or to not kill a Christian, he always voted to kill them. So that shows just how, how passionate he was against Christ. But then all of a sudden, we see this 180-degree turn in Paul. Well, why is that? It, it would have had to have been because he saw Christ on the road to Damascus, as we see in Acts chapter 9. That would be the only possible explanation. So I think that Paul's point here is probably one of the greatest proofs of, of the resurrection. If the resurrection had not occurred, these men would not have been willing to die for that lie. And Paul himself would not have changed drastically from persecuting the church to being a part of it and pers being persecuted himself for it. That doesn't make any sense. And, and that's kind of his general point here, is if Christ is not resurrected from the dead, then why are we enduring persecution? Why don't we just say, forget it, and go off and do whatever we want to do because we're going to die, and then after that there's not going to be anything else. Again, him pointing out the, the conclusions of this belief that unfortunately some in Corinth were beginning to hold. Uh, then in verse 33 and 34, uh, he says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. A lot of times we quote this, and of course we apply this to friends, family members, co-workers who perhaps are are not good influences on us, and I think I still think that that application is true and and good. Uh, but in the immediate context, what he is talking about is again the resurrection. If if you haven't picked it up yet, the resurrection and those people that were teaching that the resurrection had not occurred. He's saying that bad company. They were the bad company. Those that denied the resurrection corrupts good morals. And he says, wake up from your drunken stupor as right and do not go on sinning. They needed to be able to see clearly what these people were teaching and the conclusion of their teachings. And he commends them and commands them again to not go on sinning in regards to this false doctrine or in regards to the various things he has addressed uh, throughout the book. And he says, for some have no knowledge of God. And he says, I say this to your shame. These people who have no knowledge of God perhaps are the ones that were the source of, of this particular false doctrine. 
And at the end, he says, I say this to your shame because those in Corinth should have, should have corrected it. They should have known better than to deny the resurrection of Christ because that, that is what the entire Christian religion hinges on, as he's discussed throughout this chapter. But those in Corinth were either too ignorant to recognize the false doctrine or they were led away in the false doctrine themselves. And so here he is, is rebuking them and, and correcting them and, and showing them just how, how illogical and how wrong uh, that doctrine would be and, and is even today. Uh, we'll stop right here for today and pick up in verse 35 tomorrow. Um, so I hope you'll come back and, and tune in. And as always, if you have any questions or, or anything, if you want to study more, feel free to get in touch with us, and we would love to sit down and, and to study the Scriptures with you. Uh, but we'll stop there, pick up at verse 35 tomorrow. Thank you for your time and for your attention.